everybody and welcome to the roadie on the horn podcast my name is donovan as per usual co-host and all-around good guy who lives in iowa ryan is here with me and we have a guest today we have john uh john bpkc on twitter he is an all-around good guy as well big sports guy um and he's here to discuss some more interesting stadiums that he's been to because obviously john has traveled a little bit he's been watching sports your entire life basically i'm uh, so damn right donnie hi i'm new is this uh, an mlg podcast he is definitely new and uh we have a a little bit to cover today not a whole lot starting with nfl news ryan do you want to hop right into that yeah let's do it for sure just want to say obviously very excited to have john here john's my go-to guy for all baltimore sports related so everything orioles ravens that goes through him it's true great organization to get in that Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, great just, organization. I don't yeah. think any organization in baseball has run better than the Baltimore. I'm really Especially glad they everybody's years. legacy, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but yeah, this is episode 10, Donnie. So, I mean, we've hit double digits. Obviously, that's pretty sweet. So, just want to throw that out there, there as well. And Check West, obviously, extending our invitation for you to come on our podcast. Like, it's it's still coronavirus. I don't think he's done anything. Yeah, I don't think anybody's doing so. anything. Let's the be ball's real in here. his court, clearly. Well, let's be real. Like, who's yeah. doing anything? Come on. Exactly. Who's doing, who's doing anything? Well, the answer would be the Houston Texans because they actually did make another trade here in the last few days. They acquired Brandon Cooks from the L.A. Rams for a second and a fourth rounder. Again, the Houston Texans do not have a general manager. They are, Bill O'Brien is making all their decisions, their head coach. So I really am just is so intrigued by every move that the Texans have been making, especially as we go into the draft to see what decisions they make there because it just seems like this is just a train wreck and it's getting worse and worse. The Texans receivers, it's Will Fuller, it's Kenny Stills, it's Kiki Kuti, it's all guys who just can run fast. And then, so your decision is, oh, let's trade away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and a second round pick. And then you're trading that pretty much that return, a second and a fourth for Brandon Cooks from the Rams. So I, th- what the decisions the Texans are making makes absolutely no sense. So uh, it's just kind of exciting from my perspective, not a Texans fan, to just kind of see how their train wreck is unfolding and all their terrible decisions. And then once we get back to football, it's probably going to translate on the field to them not having any success. So that's pretty interesting to follow, I think. But I was kind of surprised by that. There were a lot of rumors of Cooks getting moved. Uh, I know the Eagles were kind of in that a little bit. Um, with Cooks, he's signed through the next three years uh, at between 11 and 13 million per year. So it's kind of a manageable contract. But Brandon Cooks gets moved around more than like any receiver in football. He goes from the Saints for to the Patriots for a first round pick, and then he goes to the Rams for a first round pick, and then now he goes to the Texans for a second and a fourth round pick. So everybody just loves trading for Brandon Cooks. So I don't know. Overall, though, I really don't think Brandon Cooks is like a great receiver. He just has speed, and there's a reason that all these teams keep trading him away. Uh, Donnie, did you have any thoughts on this move for for Houston and and uh, LA? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was funny considering they traded uh, Hopkins for David Johnson a second and a fourth, and they traded a second and a fourth to get Cooks, who is significantly worse. And David Johnson is not like a star running back; he's kind of just there at this point, uh, a couple years removed from actually having relevant stats and and relevant production. So we've gotten to the point where the Texans are rogue; they they've just gone absolutely off the wall. Um. I'm not really sure what they're doing. I don't think anybody's really sure what they're doing. And if, if you're the if you're upper management in the Texans, you kind of just sit there like, what's what's going on here? Like, obviously, you you probably had somebody in upper management okay everything, unless Bill O'Brien is doing it all himself. But it is Bill O'Brien because they they fired their GM at the end of the season. 
And so Bill O'Brien's just been making all the decisions. So their upper management that you're talking about, it doesn't exist. Everything well, is just happening through Bill O'Brien, their head coach. But you have to assume that somebody um, in the ownership group or somebody in the front office is being like, okay, this is, this is a good idea. This is a fine idea. And it's just a yes men thing more than anything i'm assuming uh unless bill o'brien's literally just not telling anybody what he's doing he's kind of just like sitting at home um drinking a beer making moves which i mean you know you really never know that's what that it one. seems like if you look at the moves that they're making you're trading away deandre hopkins the top three receiver and then you're trading pretty much the return you got minus david johnson who has not been good the last few years for brandon cooks who gets moved around more than any receiver in football so i mean i just don't understand at all what they're doing there yeah well when the texans win 12 games you know bill o'brien's gonna look like a genius here Right. Yeah. That's always what the Texans do. The AFC South. I mean, you, you really just never know where you're getting. I guess Tennessee was good last year, but it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Um, but yeah, there really hasn't been a ton of other NFL news. Another thing that did come out as we are approaching draft season, that's kind of starting to kick up a little bit more into gear. NFL is still proceeding to see him having a virtual draft here at the end of the month. But there were reports coming out this week that Tua Tagovailoa failed at least one physical for an NFL team. And obviously now with the circumstances going on, if one team fails Tua as a physical, every other team who is considering looking at Tua now has to take a bigger look and see if it really is worth it to take this guy. Because Tua, his big injury last year was his hip injury that took him out in November, and then he missed the final uh, three and a half games of the season. But also in his career, he's had a broken left index finger, he sprained his right knee, and he's had high ankle sprains on both his left and right ankle. So it's been a trend of injuries for Tua. It's not just the hip, the ankle, the knee, the finger have all been issues for him. So it, when you're evaluating the quarterback prospect, if you watch Tua's film, it's really good. He's one of the best quarterback prospects to come out when you're just evaluating talent. But especially when you look at the quarterback position, availability is the best ability could not be more true. Um, other quarterbacks that have had injury issues coming out. I mean, Carson Wentz for the Eagles, he had an injury his senior year at North Dakota state. And then that's translated into the NFL where he still had a lot of success, but the injury issues have still come up. So you always have that risk, especially with Tua, who's had a plethora of injuries in his young college career. So that's obviously something that teams are going to have to weigh. And it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the top 10 of the draft. So just wanted to touch on that real quick as we uh, head into draft season should be uh, interesting with uh, how teams proceed to a um, Donnie, what 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 do you think about Tua as just like as a prospect overall? I don't know. I think we've everybody seen him in college just absolutely tear everybody up. So it's like if if you're getting a health, healthy, consistent, the same guy that we got in college, like you're sitting there just just dancing, knowing that you have a franchise quarterback on your roster. But uh, as we've seen, injuries kind of kill. You know, um, it it kind of happens pretty often, especially with quarterbacks. And you don't want to draft a quarterback and throw him into a crappy situation like a team like the Dolphins, for example, would throw him. Um, he might not start the first year, obviously, but they're, they're three or four years off from being relevant again. Uh, so if you're the Dolphins, you're risking a lot to draft a guy like that who has injury issues just consistently every year. There's something else that happens. And I saw somebody else say that he has unknown wrist problems, potential wrist injuries that could get worse, um, uh, from, from prior injuries that haven't healed. So I don't know. You sit there kind of confused as to like everybody says, oh, he's healthy. All, all, all of his PR team was saying, oh, he's healthy. Oh, he's good. And then it comes back to this. If he did actually fail his physicals, which looks like a pretty consistently uh, reported thing, you know, it, it's it's another L for him. Uh, his draft stock will drop and everything just goes a little bit backwards for him, especially because he could have taken another year and just really figured it all out at college. Um obviously going out getting drafted in the first round means you're going to have money for life 
uh, you're going to be set. So it's a business decision, but you know, maybe having the extra year to heal everything up and figure everything out would have really helped out. Yeah. I feel like I see Miami a lot as a common landing spot for Tua, but I'm even kind of skeptical if that's the best spot. Like you mentioned, he could sit for a little bit, but the pressure for Tua to play if he gets drafted in Miami is going to be pretty immediate. It's not like if the Dolphins start to struggle, everyone's just going to be like, oh, no, we're still going to go with our plan of waiting for Tua to regain healthiness. Like, they're probably going to throw him out there. So I don't even know if the Dolphins would be a great fit for Tua, but I mean... It, it, it's it's kind of he's kind of one of the more interesting prospects to come out just because his talent is so incredible but you just always have that risk of injuries because he had an injury that took him out the rest of the season with the hip and then he's also just kind of has a, a play style where it's almost a little bit reckless sometimes where he's taking unnecessary hits or running himself into trouble so it's kind of just always there with him as a prospect and I do see the similarities to Carson Wentz when it comes to the injuries with Tua because they kind of just have that quarterback style of being uh, like a gunslinger, like sometimes it works for you where you dive to make that extra play or you're standing in the pocket a little bit longer, but then you have the risk of getting injured later in a game. So you're always going to have to weigh that with Tua. I still think he's a top 10 pick, but um, it'll be interesting to see where, where he winds up as we approach the start of the draft. And even you got to wonder at the top half of the draft with, with say Justin Herbert or Jordan Love, or I'm even going to throw Jalen Hurts as potential guys that could go in the first round. Do they even jump to a, for some teams uh, on their boards, especially now that we have news of him failing a physical? I think some teams would at least start to consider it. So that's just kind of a wrinkle as we uh, approach about two, a little over two weeks before the draft year. So that should, be, right. uh, should be interesting. Um, yeah. Do you want to move on to talking about stadiums and such? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get John involved here. Hi, I'm here. Uh, so, yeah, John, you know, yeah. it, it's nice. It's, a, it's our first guest here on a podcast. So obviously, you know, big congrats to you for being the, the lucky man that we chose. Yeah, great to be <laughs> but, here. But uh, yeah, I just uh, wanted to kind of talk about like different experiences and in, in that we've had at stadiums. Obviously, you can touch uh, more on like Baltimore aspects, but do you want to just talk about uh, a few different stadiums or, or games, Shh. venues that you've been to that uh, kind of stuck out to you? Sure. Uh, I have season tickets to the Ravens. I previously had season tickets to the Orioles. I go to a bunch of Capitals games. Uh, let's see, I've been all over the place. Pretty much anything you could ever want to see, I've been to. Uh, kind of. I had season tickets, uh, not season tickets, I had tickets to the Angels last year. I really want to see Mike Trout in that stadium. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I got to see Mike Trout last summer as well. I, my dad and I took a trip to Progressive Field in Cleveland. We saw the Angels play there. I mean, just even getting to see Mike Trout just up and close and personal was just such a cool experience for me. I mean, definitely, in my opinion, the best player in baseball. So um, I think he had like a couple hits in that game. And one thing that stuck out to me from that game, though, watching Mike Trout specifically since you brought it up, there was like just like a routine fly ball in that game. He was playing center field, obviously. And one of the Indians players was tagging up from second to third. And Trout was probably like on the warning track when he caught this ball. And he just caught it and kind of made like an effortless throw. And it looked like it was just going to be a routine tag up. And it was like a close play at third base. It, it was safe. The Indians player was safe at third base. But it was just like watching Mike Trout. I was like, that play shouldn't even have been close. And he put it right on the money at third base. So it, it was really cool to see Mike Trout. What, what what would you say? So you got to see Mike Trout play before, John, you said? Uh, I have at Camden Yards. But I wanted to see him at home. I want to see how the fans react to that, man. Weird that you mentioned Mike Trout, though. His arm is probably the weakest part of his game. He's fast. He hits unbelievably. His defense is elite. That's probably the worst part of his game. 
yeah, it's insane. It's just he's so good at every aspect of the game that for you to even pick out the worst part of his game at its art. And then I was at a game where he showed it off and it was like one of the best parts of the game. So he's just an unbelievable player. And that's kind of like one of the things that I really like about going to different games is just seeing the different athletes. I mean, seeing them up close and personal in like an actual game, I feel like it just gives you like a different vibe, a different a different sense of the player. And, uh, um, and we had tickets that night as well after... I'm not sure if you know what uh, Mites on Ice is, but it's like those kids that go uh, during the halftime. I was uh, on <laughs> yeah. for that. I've seen, I've seen those before. Like at the United Center, they do a similar thing for intermission. Yeah, but they uh, they used to do that, and my age group got to do that. And it was against the Blackhawks. It's a really cool game. Oh, there you go. Caps lost because they suck, but still. But uh, what are you guys' experience with stadiums? I mean, I've been around pretty much anywhere you can want to go you can ask questions yeah donnie you want to go over the the nhl rinks you've been to uh yeah uh the first rink i ever went to was staples center obviously i I don't think staples center is the best way to deliver a sporting event at this point i do think it's a little bit more um like maybe vanilla as uh, as an experience it's kind of more corporate than anything uh it's there's not a whole lot of I don't know, maybe like detail, maybe something that makes it different. And obviously, I was watching the Kings in in the mid to late two thousands, so those were some really really bad teams. Um, so obviously, they didn't have the the fan base for hockey. But when you go to a basketball game, uh, I went to a couple Lakers Clippers games. Those those are completely different. Those are like raucous, wild, just absolutely unbelievable. the The environment that that you are in, it's like you're almost to a point where you feel unsafe. That's how that's how like dangerous you feel lakers clippers games are hostile it's very hostile it's it's absolutely hostile because i mean it's like um it's like going to any any rival like major rival like an islanders rangers game something like that fans will fight fans will yell at each other you know things will not go well um everybody's seen fights at sporting events if you've been to enough It's, it's just how it goes so it's like staples center was my first uh real arena that that i went to for hockey or basketball or whatever and that was um it was good. Uh, Staples Center. Staples Center was always nice because we would have like a, a mini season ticket package, so we'd go on weekends every once in a while, and it would be primarily quiet. I don't think people really support the Kings or supported the Kings when I was going, so it's like it would be a nice. We'd have a, a section almost all to ourselves, and it'd just be we, we'd be hanging out. And then you can switch that completely 180 to Dodger Stadium, where every game, even weekday games, are pretty much packed. Um, the experience is so much different. The atmosphere is just one of the best in sports in general, uh, probably like top five in baseball. Dodger Stadium is, if for anybody listening that hasn't been Dodger Stadium, uh, when coronavirus is over, when everything is back to normal, I would definitely say plan a trip to see your favorite team against the Dodgers. It's just, it's an experience, especially now because you get to see just an incredible Dodgers roster. You know, you get to see Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, um, Gavin Lux is up and coming. Max Muncy is obviously incredible. Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller. So if you are looking, if you're one of those people that really just enjoys watching sports and watching these these incredible athletes, uh, Dodger Stadium is a great place to be because of that. You get to see um, an iconic stadium that's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but kind of not. Um, obviously, the, the placement is incredible. Uh, and then you get to see just maybe the best team in baseball in terms of just, you know, uh, exciting players to watch. So, 
Dodger Stadium. Yeah, from- no doubt. Donnie, I, I know I haven't been to Dodger Stadium personally, but I feel like the presentation at Dodger Stadium is always really good. Like when I watch games on TV, it just seems like the fans are always super engaged. They're always playing like good music, good, good like sound effects going on. So it seems like it's always like a good presentation at Dodger Stadium. And it wasn't always this way, though. Um, obviously, the Frank McCourt days uh, were bad for, for the Dodgers. Everything went downhill. Um, it's like... I don't things things were just weird during the Frank McCourt days because people didn't want to support. Uh, if if anybody doesn't know about Frank McCourt, basically he had a divorce with his wife uh, of of nearly like thirty years, something like that, and then he kind of just like stopped really caring much about the Dodgers. It seemed like he was kind of out of he he wasn't really into it, and the the team definitely slacked a little bit. They had some some mediocre years. And fans really didn't go. Their attendance was low. People were worried. And he was basically forced to sell the team considering their finances were so crappy. And that doesn't really happen for like a major, major, major organization like the Dodgers. Like the Dodgers are probably a top three in terms of worth in in the MLB. So it's like it, it was almost incredible to see how mediocre the fan base was during um, the Frank McCourt years. Uh I, I just think, you see, he wasn't spending any money in free agency. He was letting guys walk, and um, it ended up being what people perceive as, like, the costliest divorce in California history. Um, he ended up, it was, like, $130 million, and, and he ended up losing the Dodgers because of it. And But, but yeah, it's, like, the atmosphere now is so much different uh, after, obviously, um, Stan Cast and, and Magic Johnson and the boys took over the team. I think they ended up paying like $2 billion for it. But um, they've spent so much money renovating the stadium year after year after year. Uh, this year, they've renovated center field to make it a, a more pleasurable experience to watch games. And everything is so different because I mean, people do forget about the years where the Dodgers were very mediocre, like 08, 09, 2010, 2011. Things were really, really bad. And fans weren't showing up and people were pissed off. And then when you go home, people couldn't watch the games from home. Because, uh, you know, they, they had issues with um, getting the games on TV. But, yeah, it's like now when you go to a Dodger game, it's like the most immersive, fantastic experience in baseball, I feel. I feel like, too, baseball stadiums just kind of have, like, a different aura about it. Like, I know for me, going to Wrigley Field, like, a bunch as a kid and even still now, like, just going to, like, an old-time baseball stadium, it just feels like it's it's unlike any other other sport venue like going to an arena or even a football stadium those like old-time baseball stadiums i know fenway is is the same way and i'm sure dodger stadium as well but it just kind of feels like you're like nothing else matters you're just there at a game watching for for a couple hours i always love going to wrigley so um that's pretty cool john i'm I'm sure you can talk about camden yards i've heard good things about that is magical let's see where do i even begin i actually uh I just, I really cannot stand to watch Orioles baseball right now. I had a season ticket package last year, like a partial season ticket package. I went to maybe half the games. The baseball was so bad. Like, it just. Some of the worst the stadium, pitching, literally. Some of the in worst the baseball of the I think I've ever witnessed. I've gone to single A games and double A games, and it was up there for some of the worst baseball I've possibly ever seen the stadium on the other hand is the only reason you should probably ever go to see an Orioles baseball game well maybe not now because at least you have like some promise maybe you want to like see the talented kids but you got the warehouses with the field and I just love it it reminds me of like an old school stadium 
and that's that's the point. It was really the first of its kind, and it led to a lot of the modern, like old school, like looking ballparks. And I just love it. The uh, let's see, the lights when I like when I go into the city of Baltimore, the stadium is the first thing I see. It's just I'm like starstruck with its beauty. Yeah, that's sweet. I love just like driving past baseball stadiums, and I love when cities do stuff like that, where like the the stadium is like one of the first things you see when you when you drive on, drive up. So that's pretty sweet. Have you been to any other MLB parks, John? Uh, I've been to Dodger Stadium. <laughs> that's immaculate. Okay, you you uh, Progressive Field. Where do I? Yeah, I've been to Progressive Field too. What did you think of Progressive Field, John? I wasn't terribly impressed, to be completely honest. It was, it was all right. So in center field, they kind of have like a little like memorial park kind of deal, kind of like the Yankees. Yankee have, Stadium. I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah, so I got to check that out when I was at Progressive Field over the summer. That was actually pretty neat. Indians don't have like a great history, but they did a nice job of putting up plaques for just people who played in the MLB who were like from the state of Ohio or had like a short career with the Indians. So they actually did a pretty nice job with that. You want to go? To I wouldn't a say it was the most Fenway. Fenway? Have you been to Fenway, I went John? to Boston, and they have like this amazing tour. It's honestly unbelievable. If you love baseball, you got to take a trip down to Fenway, man. I yeah, I've heard about it. They, the they take up fans. on the Green Monster and all that. But it's just, it's unbelievable. The Green Monster. Like, when I went into Boston, I wasn't even there for baseball. It was uh, it was before baseball season, but I drove past it, and it's like, I got to get in there somehow. And so I checked it out. It's immaculate. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, Fenway is definitely a park that I would like to hit maybe next summer even uh, if, uh, if if allowed, obviously. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> Fenway is definitely one that's uh, high on the list for, for stadiums in general. I'm trying to think of where else. Yankee Stadium, the history there is immaculate. Don't wear any Orioles stuff there or someone will try <laughs> to assault you in the parking lot. But other than that. Did you go to uh, the old Yankee Stadium? Hmm? Yeah. And uh, and new Yankee Stadium. It's uh, New York's like four hours away from me, man. I just I like to drive and visit places. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's Pir- oh, yeah, Donnie? Too. What's Pirate Stadium called? Uh, PNC Park. PNC Park. That's right. But that's actually a pretty with the bridge in the background. That's v- very underrated viewing experience at PNC. Extremely Park. I, underrated. I, I think people do not uh, factor in just because obviously it's one of the more it's one of the newer parks. Uh, it, it was built in '01, so. It's, it's it's got like a retro feel to it, but it's very very well kept. the 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 product on the field is not great, um, but the oh, experience the experience at the ballpark is good enough if you are interested in just watching a good baseball game every once in a while. Um, things were better a couple of years ago when I was going to games when they were actually wild card contending and not doing the same thing over and over every year, seventy five win teams. But PNC Park is. It, I think my dad would tell you PNC Park's one of his favorite parks to go to because of just how beautiful and, and how new everything feels. It's got a very good vibe to it. That I remember uh, I was uh, watching the game. I got bored of the game, so I just looked at the bridge and the uh, the traffic the whole time. Yeah, that, um, They are awful, man. Say, tell Bob Knight to go to hell for me. Yeah, he's he's had a tough time. He had a tough go of things. Um, what, one more park that both Ryan and I have been to, uh, Coors Field, is a good It's a good thing to go over. Um, so Ryan came to visit me in June, I think. Him him, and our buddy Luke came. And we went to a Dodger, Dodgers-Rockies series. Uh, we went to uh, three of four games, something like that. And um, I think that I can speak for him when I say Coors Field is a very, very different experience, too. It's just – it's such a nice park – um, where the, there's a lot of character 
in certain sections, like right field, they have a pavilion where you can get food and watch from, and, and you're getting a totally different experience. Obviously, it's pretty hard to get up there and actually get to be able to watch the game because uh, there's so many people up there from first pitch on until the eighth or ninth inning. But uh, we walked around Coors Field. It's just Coors Field feels a little surreal when how with how it's built because you can get around very easily. You can go around the entire stadium super super easily without any problems. Um, Ryan, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, no doubt. I love my experience at Coors Field. Uh, and one of the highlights, actually, the second game we went to when we were out there, Donnie, we like intentionally made it a purpose so we could get there to see batting practice, which is is I I enjoy definitely seeing batting practice, but seeing it at Coors Field in the altitude, it's it's unlike anything else. I just remember Justin Turner he just absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember off the Justin our, Turner bomb. Our yeah. yeah. And then he hit a bomb during the game too, so uh, that was pretty sweet. But and then also at Coors Field they have the mile high row where they have like the purple seats uh, in like the the high section where it's like exactly a mile above sea level. So that's kind of just like a little character part of the ballpark. But yeah, super nice ballpark. Actually, the upper part of Coors Field kind of reminded me a little bit of Bush Stadium uh, in St. Louis, just kind of like the layout of it. Um, that's another park that I really enjoy going to. I've been to Bush uh, three times, so um, it's definitely a nice park. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed my experience at Coors Field. Seems like kind of a newer park, too. The concourse is really wide. It was 95. easy to kind of walk around and navigate. Yeah, it's yeah a, 95. Wow, actually, that's a little bit older. It's 25 years it's kept old really this, well. this year, I believe. Um, are, are there any okay. parks that you really did not enjoy visiting for whatever reason in terms of like a an experience standpoint? Uh, we can start with John. John, you got anything? Let's see. Uh, I'm going to go to a different sport, hockey. I did not like the Vegas Golden Knights. Really? Really? That surprised me. I paid almost $400 for tickets. Oh, damn. (laughs) And for that experience, they've got like this mini show. It's probably as bad as like a free show in Las Vegas. It's horrible. It's it's not even like cheesy good. It's like cheesy. It's like just cringe the whole time. I don't get how people like like this experience. What's up? They do that before the game. That they show? do that uh, before the game, and they keep it going through like the uh, the whole event. Like they've yeah. got, I think it's like the Gold Night or something, or uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a night, and they it's just friggin' annoying. Yeah, see, yeah it's surprising before the for game. Me, uh, hearing that. Yeah, see, I, a lot of people say they actually really like their their experience there, probably because you're in Vegas and it's just like it's totally a different atmosphere. But I do understand somebody that does go to Vegas frequently that that goes to a game expecting like a, a you expect a vegas type experience you expect it to be magical and all that and i i can i can't imagine um you know maybe it being a little bit underwhelming in terms of you know a, a full product especially if you're spending 400 dollars on tickets um ryan any any mediocre less than good experiences you've had um you know that's that's really interesting um i i there's nothing really that sticks out to me about like necessarily like really bad I, I i really enjoy just like going for like the game purposes too so even if the stadium's kind of mediocre i'm able to just kind of immerse myself in the talent on the field and what's going on i guess though one thing i want to touch on for like positive note just like a, a really nice football stadium that i've been to atlanta's new stadium actually uh mercedes-benz dome that stadium insanely nice my dad and i got to check that out we went to the national championship game for georgia alabama a few years ago and we had really good seats for that game so we saw an unbelievable game and just, I was just blown away at how beautiful that stadium was. I've also been to the Vikings' new stadium, U.S. Bank, and I even thought Mercedes-Benz was nicer than that. So, um, 
that I just wanted to touch on that as like a, a super super nice stadium that's that's brand new and where the Falcons play. We walked past the the Chick Fil A and it was actually open for the game we went to since it was on a Monday night. Wow, the, huge uh, college football championship game. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, and their 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 prices are really low because the Falcons owner Arthur Blank he wanted to make sure that each fan could have like a nice experience at the game and be very family friendly. So their food is super inexpensive. So um, that was a super super nice stadium. Would highly recommend checking that out. And they host a lot of like big time college football bowl games too. They have the Peach Bowl, the SEC title game. Uh, I think Atlanta United plays there as well for soccer, and then obviously the Falcons. So uh, quite a few different events there for uh, Mercedes Benz Dome. Yeah, that parallel opposite to Vegas. Parallel opposite. Everything is expensive. Yeah, that's, that's that's really interesting that you say that, John. I, I wouldn't have guessed that uh, that Vegas would have been would have been like that, but I definitely see what you mean when the fact that like the show perspective could kind of take over just because that's kind of like the personality like, of Vegas. For like two hundred dollars a ticket, and it's not even a good ticket for like two hundred bucks. It's a really mediocre ticket. Yeah, at best. Yeah. I don't know the whole Vegas thing. Kind of, it, it's you would go to Vegas knowing you're going to spend a lot of money. But you kind of hope that it, like at least you can get food cheap at like a hockey game or, or semi cheap for in terms of like you know sporting events because obviously you're gonna spend a lot of money almost everywhere you go, like you know you go to like um PPG Paints Arena it used to be Consol Energy Center the prices there are kind of ridiculous for just about everything and the experience isn't great. Uh, it's Pittsburgh. You get what you're you're you get what you pay for. I mean, it's like it's okay. It's nothing special. Pittsburgh's just there to be there. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I definitely, it's, I can imagine why people would shy away from going to visit Vegas, um, to see a sporting event. Um, I mean, it's probably a decent enough experience most of the time when the games are good, but I, I can imagine if there was a, a piss poor game that you went to and then you had a bad experience. Cause there were people that did complain about the, um, a couple years ago when they were in the playoffs, they did all the night thing at center ice and all that. It, it's a little bit cheesy. It's, I like, uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I, I mean, I like the addition a little bit, but like, I understand it, why it's there, but please make it yeah, better. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know why it's there, but like, do you, do you enjoy it? That's, that's a real question you have to ask yourself. They, uh, they played the avalanche. Things did not go well. Love my abs. Speaking of the abs, going to abs game is just—it's it, a great experience. You don't expect anything. It's kind of just like they—they uh, they renovate Pepsi Center. They do stuff yearly to make sure that it stays up to. When standards. I went there uh, in the early two thousands, not great. Yeah, <laughs> really I think everything got updated. I believe everything has been updated a little bit because now it is a good experience. Um, and, and one thing I will say about abs fans and Colorado people in general—they are very welcoming of. Um, just as any visiting fan more than anything uh you do find some stadiums some people in specific cities uh pittsburgh is one of these cities that are not very welcoming of rival fans uh like like you know rival rival fans in general are not uh, really yeah. welcomed in in certain places like pittsburgh uh obviously la is not the best for rival fans either uh, experiences with the giants and such and uh it depends on the rivalry obviously but i feel like we went to Rockies games um, as Dodger fans wearing Dodgers apparel, and we really didn't get any run into any problems, which is, uh, I guess, semi surprising. You'd think that it, they'd be at least like jeering a little bit. They'd be they'd be throwing throwing shots here and there, but I do believe Colorado fans in general are just happy to have people there. It's like I went I to mean, it's uh, the weed. I mean, it really it might really might be like it doesn't shock me at all, but it's like. See, the only other place that I can remember it being that welcoming is Columbus when I went to a Rangers-Jackets game, and they were, like, saying, come back, because obviously the fans don't really show up in Columbus until um, these past couple of years. They've been a bit better. But 
it's it's very interesting to find a, a visiting stadium that's so welcoming of of fans of other teams, like the rival teams. Because it's like the Raiders and the Jackets, they're in the same division. So it's like you wouldn't expect them to be super welcoming of the fan base. But there are the fans in Columbus. Um, Colorado is really good. Uh, we went to I went to Cleveland and Cincinnati. They were both pretty welcoming of just people into the stadium from from other places. Uh, we just went to watch baseball. But um, yeah, it's like I I've had my expectations are when you go into a stadium, especially a rival stadium with uh, rival gear on, you're going to get yelled at. There's a chance that you get uh, some confrontation here and there. And it is, it's a very fresh breath of air to get a fan base that's welcoming of rival fans, considering it's like it's not really bothering you. It's not really ruining your experience at all. Yeah, I guess I have a kind of a funny story that kind of relates to that, Donnie. Obviously, I was at the Double Doink game as an Eagles fan, so that was just kind of like one of the most insane moments that's happened in sports recently. And what, one thing I can share about that game, actually... Uh, so my dad is a Bears fan and like most of like, I have a ton of friends who are Bears fans. So anytime the Eagles and Bears play together, it's kind of like it's me versus all of my friends as an Eagles fan. So for the double doink game, I just remember as soon after it happened, like I was just sitting there just like absolutely stunned. And the vibe walking out of that stadium, it was just like every single one of those Bears fans was just so like defeated. It was almost just like dead silent. Like you could hear a pin drop. Just it, it was so just insane walking out of that stadium with like. 70,000 fans who were all just completely stunned at how that game ended. So it's kind of wild. Like you can, you can get kind of the, the vibe where everyone's just kind of like yelling at you and, and it's all in good fun usually with, uh, when it's rival fans, but to be an Eagles fan in soldier field for that game, it was just like so surreal to, uh, to witness that with like all these sad bears fans just standing around me. I mean, it, it, they have every reason to be sad. You know, it's like one of the most maybe like infamous plays in recent sports history, especially recent. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I mean, how can how can you lose a playoff game at home when it's your first playoff game in a while? You have a rookie quarterback or a rookie head coach and you your your kicker hits two uprights and that's how you lose the playoff game. I mean, it was just you couldn't write it any crazier for uh, for the Eagles to win that game. Yeah, see, I just remember BK on Twitter going, uh, being not very thrilled, being being extremely unhappy. That, that's the one thing I remember most is him just having having a, an absolute breakdown on on Twitter. Um, after, um, you know, obviously it's like if you're a diehard Bears fan and that happens, you have to really like consider: is there a God? Like, what just happened? What did I do? Did, is it my fault? <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I almost like felt bad celebrating that. Like, I, I I was obviously like very excited. Like, my favorite team just won a playoff game. I was I was really fired up, but like. I just was walking out that that I remember like standing just like everybody was walking really slow down the escalator leaving leaving Soldier Field and it was just like everybody was just so defeated that I almost just like felt bad that I was I was standing there next to, to all these Bears fans who were just so defeated at, at how that game ended. Yeah, I mean especially Bears fans too because they're very dedicated. They they are they are some some very hardcore. Um, oh no doubt. I mean Chicago's had a little bit more success with, with sports related this past decade, obviously with the Cubs and Blackhawks success. But I mean, when the Bears are good, there's really nothing like it. I mean, everybody in Chicago is so invested in the Bears that uh, when when they actually do have a season where they win, you know, the division, they have Coach of the Year Matt Nagy, and then they go to the playoff game and they lose because their kicker hits two uprights, and that's how that game ends. It was just so defeated how that that stadium ended. I've really never been to a game that had that kind of atmosphere. Um, just like everybody was so excited for the game and then just be so demoralized with how that ended. Yeah, and I think it probably doesn't even sink in until the next day when you realize, oh, your season's actually over because of one of the most... Yeah, it's probably extremely improbable. I don't know the percentages on hitting both uprights. It's got to be just so... 
it's got to be such a minuscule number in terms of percentages that you couldn't do that again if you tried. You'd have to kick yeah. 50. Okay, Cody Parkey hit the first field goal. Doug Peterson called timeout. He kicked again, and it was the double doink. So. Yeah, you know, Doug, that game just great call on that one, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Did either of you have any experiences of games like that where it's just like such an unbelievable game and uh, you just kind of like left the stadium thinking like, what did I just witness? Either Which one? one of those moments. Which one? <laughs> what do you got, John? See, uh, I used to have... Uh... I had a package of uh, Capitals playoff tickets for uh, the Penguins and Leaf series a couple years back. When they uh, the year before they won the Stanley Cup, and so I went to Game One and they won in overtime. And I had a bunch of people come up and hug me who I didn't know. That was <laughs> emotional. They wanted Tom Wilson had like an insane game and he scored in overtime to freaking take Game One, and then. To contrast that, we're going to go to uh, the Penguin series and how to uh, ruin my life for about a week every year. Because every year when the uh, NHL playoffs would happen, I was taking exams. So I had tickets and I was studying for my exams and then I'd go to the game and every every day it, it seems like they just get eliminated. I'd have an exam the next day and it would just it ruined like my week. I can't even give you like a particular moment. It's like I would go to the I'd go to the game. It's all like a blur now that they won the Stanley Cup though, but I would have to go wake up early the next morning after whatever the Capitals did. They get blown out by some team they were supposed to kill like the Penguins and I can't even describe to you how I felt, but I'll give you the gist is I would just be taking I would be writing my exam and I just think those motherfuckers they're going to lose again. <laughs> <laughs> those motherfuckers they're gonna do it they're gonna You've seen lose this before john is what you're saying they're gonna lose they're gonna lose i thought in the leaf series they were gonna do it again because i had like i had an exam uh after like the day before they eliminated the leafs i had an exam it's like those motherfuckers they're gonna do it again they're gonna lose to this team they're supposed to blow out this team's supposed to sweep they beat them and then they they lost to the penguins and during the exam, I'm just looking so angry. I remember my teacher asked me if I was like, okay. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, Cap suck. <laughs> and he's yeah. a huge fan. I, and I he's like, yeah, those up. motherfuckers, they suck. Yeah, see, the pe- the, the pessimism, especially with hockey, I, I definitely do understand. Um, the, the Rangers, the last decade has been, uh, you know, promising hope. And then they end up getting semi deep in the playoffs, and they'll lose. Um, they'll have a series where they play three or four overtime games, like the Stanley Cup against the Kings, and they'll lose all three of them, um, which was shocking. Uh, one moment that I had that uh, so someone like Ryan is talking about, I went to uh, the Rangers were down uh, against the Penguins three one in twenty fourteen. I went to Game Five. I had. All my friends were saying, oh, you know, does anybody want to go to a game in the next series? Anybody, anybody want to watch from – because they, they put up games on the outdoor screen. They put up a big screen outdoors, and they have a bunch of uh, fans come watch. And um, it was game five, and all my friends were being cocky, obviously, living in Pittsburgh. Um, but the Rangers were in town. Game five, they were uh, – I tried to get you tickets to that. I ended up – we ended up winning tickets. My, my dad ended up winning tickets really? uh, within his work. And we were sitting in a box, uh, the console energy box. Uh, which was straight center ice, um, and 
it just just so turned out that this is 2014, so it's like the, obviously it's that was during the Cup run year. Uh, they would end up winning five one that game, and as Ryan said earlier, the most defeated, depressed, just just sad tone in like. We were the last people there in our box. Uh, I wasn't wearing Rangers gear because I, I had come straight from school, but I, I was cheering, obviously. We were the last people sitting in our box. Everybody else had left by the third period, and uh, this is a playoff game, mind you. So it's like we're, we're just sitting there watching fans funnel out, and it's like that was the one moment where I've seen more just depressed and sad human beings in one place than ever before. It's like, obviously, Pittsburgh fans, they're known for supporting their, their two big teams, the Penguins and the Steelers, and they are so diehard and so incredibly passionate about these teams, which makes total sense because they've been very good. Um, but I've never seen Penguin fans so defeated and so depressed and so sad after a Game 5 when they were still leading the series. But it's like, you could tell, there's just there's those sporting events in general, there's those games where you can feel a... a morale shift you can feel a shift in the series a momentum shift and that was it and i've never seen penguin fans recognize that so much even when you're leading a series to be so depressed and so sad and so like at walking out it was quiet it was like dead silent because people had left already and the fans that were still there were just like stunned to see their team get absolutely demolished at at a level that they've never seen before it's like they gave up five or six goals in, in a row, I believe, or at least five five out of six goals scored in that game, which go over the Rangers. And it's like, I've never seen a fan, a fan base that's had that much success be so depressed over something. You've reminded me of something that I have locked away forever. I haven't spoken about this to anybody, but I was at the Titans-Ravens game. That was possibly my least favorite football game I've ever attended in my entire life. To the point of where I met with my entire family and we refused to talk about it. But now, because I'm here, I will I'll indulge everybody with the aurora of the stadium for which I attended. There was very little hope going into the second half of the game. To the point of where the fans are just shitting on the team and just... I swear, I swear, I thought a player was going to come into the stands and fight somebody. It was that bad. The fans are just heckling the team. Our own fans are heckling our own team. And as I was leaving, I just, everybody was so depressed. I left before the game ended. I was so pissed off. I could not stay to watch that game end. Well, I can imagine, wasn't it? That game's kind of wild, too. I mean, the Ravens had such a good regular season. Like, you just kind of expected Lamar Jackson to just kind of keep dominating. And then the Titans really just kind of smashed him in the mouth without Derrick Henry was was dominating. I knew Derrick Henry was going to do something, but I didn't think the defense was going to fold. I didn't think the offense was going to fold. I thought at least one would show up. Nobody showed up. Might as well have not even had the game. If I remember correctly, didn't they? They had a drive at the end of the first half that the Ravens did, and that they ended up in like only having a field goal or something like along those lines. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think it was like a the twenty-two, twenty-three yard field goal, and I can imagine being there, not getting the seven points after having your first really good drive of the game, uh, especially as the half is about to expire. I can imagine that being just such a defeating feeling, especially because I think Tennessee got the ball. Um, and, and yeah, it's just everything went downhill for them. Uh, obviously, you expected a little bit more out of what was happening, but yeah. God, man, I don't even want to tell you what those tickets cost. 
I for that imagine. game to be. My mom was so pissed, like just angry. It was, it was a gift to my brother and I to attend this game, and just I called her after the game, and she just hung up, and it's like that she felt borderline ripped off. I mean, it, it does make sense. I think. Um... Obviously, you have to be kind of insane to spend money on playoff tickets unless you just have it like that. Um, and then, it, obviously, it's 50-50 because if your team loses, you feel like you've just you've thrown three, four, five, six hundred dollars I wouldn't have cared if they lost, but losing that game... Yeah, absolutely. Especially like that, did, yeah. dude. I just... I can't... It's like I've locked that tragedy away. Well, see, the, the positive like, part I didn't is... spend the money and I felt ripped off. Well, I mean, the positive part is at least you know moving forward, it's not always going to be like that. Uh, now that you can you can look back at things and be like, okay, so this is not the be all end all. This is not how everything is going to end up. It's like you have a very very good future ahead, and so it's like you can be as upset as you want um, about a certain experience. However, you know obviously there will be experiences that take over that one and that are are much better and much more positive for your future. Yeah, speaking of that, the Capitals, man. Hey, <laughs> watching so much heartbreak. They unfold. won. Like, it's okay. I never thought it. they'd win. I was yeah, prepared to take that, that now, team John. to my it's grave. Okay. Yeah, see I was ya. prepared to die and never see that team win a Stanley Cup. Well, I mean, look at the Rangers. Now you can die in peace. You know, I'm I'm sitting here. Uh, it, it's been uh, 22 years of mostly suffering. Obviously, there's been good experiences, <laughs> but you know, to watch your team lose. They're, they're only Stanley Cup in, in how many years uh, in overtime after losing two overtime games at, in the first and second games of the series. It's like, what could have been? My life would be significantly different if the Rangers had won the Stanley Cup. Honestly, I, I can I can say that for a fact with how dedicated and how um, just how emotionally driven I am as a Rangers fan to see them. If they would have won the Stanley Cup that year, everything would have been a little bit different. Like I wouldn't be so on edge about sports. Because it's like I haven't seen anybody win in a long time. Obviously, as a Lakers fan, I got to see the dominance there. But it's like I haven't seen the two the two teams that I consider my favorite teams, uh, the Dodgers and the Rangers. I haven't seen them win in my lifetime. And obviously, they have both have storied franchise history and all that. But um, it, it's come to a point where I haven't seen anything that I really just like. Those moments will be surreal for me whenever they do happen. It doesn't look like that. Um, the Rangers are going to win it anytime soon. It'll be a couple years for sure. And obviously, well, I've watched the Dodgers just absolutely screw the pooch. Um, uh, well, three or four years in a row now. So yeah. now you're good. But it's like I I can't imagine how how the feeling is um as a Capitals fan after seeing all that heartbreak finally just you know stepping up. And and doing it once and for all, and, and silencing all the doubters that said, "Oh, you know, it's the Capitals." They I can put it in words. If you I like didn't it. feel happiness, I felt shock. I mean, yeah, I guess it does. It does come to that point where you kind of. I was like happy. I was on my floor. I couldn't believe these motherfuckers, who had essentially ruined days of my life. I don't really care about sports that much, but these guys, they ruined like days of my life with how frustrating their hockey was in the playoffs and to see them actually win just stunned me as a fan who I never I never thought they'd win yeah absolutely I'm, I mean I'm sure I'd like I'm to sure, think of my oops, sorry I'm sure Ryan feels the same way with the Eagles it's like he, he got to watch the Eagles they, they didn't have any success oh, they had never won anything until a couple years yeah. ago yeah no doubt. I mean, it, it just kind of seemed like the 2017 season for the Eagles just kind of came out of nowhere. Even it, it was like it was such a struggle to be an Eagles fan. Like there was so much heartbreak, losing so many NFC title games at home in the Andy Reid era. They lost the Super Bowl. 
twice in once in 04 to the to the Patriots and then 1980 to the Raiders so it just it, it was so tough and then the 2017 season comes along and they they still had a ton of injuries that year obviously but it just kind of seemed like everything just kind of kept moving and they just kind of wrote it out and to see Nick Foles do it um was just an unbelievable experience and John kind of touched on it but like when you for me at least once I've actually seen my team win a championship in a season the best part of it wasn't actually that game. It was all the moments leading up to it, like such unbelievable comebacks that you had during the season or, or great, like resilient playoff wins. That's kind of the moments that, that stuck out to me when, when I see a team win a championship, it wasn't the final game when you, when you actually are able to celebrate, it was all the great moments leading up to it. So, uh, that I'd was kind of an interesting point from John. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah especially because you got to watch, you got to see the Eagles absolutely dominate teams too. It's like that game against the Vikings. Uh, I, that, I think that was the conference championship game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, NFC title game. They absolutely dominated. 38-7. <laughs> there you go, 38-7. It's like Yeah, Vikings came down, opening drive, Kyle Rudolph touchdown, and then the Eagles kind of kind of got off to a slow start. They got a pick six from Patrick Robinson that kind of put them in that game. They later had a flea flicker in the second half to Torrey Smith, so that was an unbelievable game. That, that's one of the kind of those moments that I talk about. But yeah, I mean, even during that season, like they had blowout wins against, say, Arizona and Chicago and um dallas even they killed that year in dallas so they just had like so many great moments that i remember looking back on for for that season that that i can be uh very excited about and uh think finally of but um just kind of like as we wrap up our conversation here is there any stadium in particular that you guys have not been to now but that is very high on your list that you would like to visit uh john go ahead i'm i'm honestly trying to think well uh if you'd like me to take over i think there are uh, there are a couple um, obviously I'd like to see most of the NHL arenas just, just to, you know, for, for experience sake, I think Bell Center in Montreal would be, would be up there. Um, uh, everybody talks so highly of the experience. Uh, obviously they, they Dude, are, they are so uh, passionate. It might be the right word. Uh, Montreal fans are, are just, they're so into in general, just just their that that is their brand at this point. The Canadians are are. The I kind of see the Bell Center as a little bit similar to Dodger Stadium, Donnie, and kind of like terms of the atmosphere and how the fans are just like so passionate about the sport there in Montreal for hockey. That, that, oh, that atmosphere is really cool. Absolutely, and it's like uh, I I hadn't been to Madison Square Garden until two years ago. Uh, as a Rangers fan, it's like the Holy Grail almost, and you know it's like you see other other people's team other other fan bases talk down on, on msg saying oh it's it's a it's a train it's an arena above above the train station it's like okay but it's, it's the most iconic arena that i've ever been to and you know that they call it the world's most famous arena because of just what it does what it draws who it draws to to the um it, it, whether it's sports or concerts or anything along those lines it's like it msg walking into msg for the first time was uh, an experience that I will never forget and probably will never be able to match in terms of the sports. Um, I hadn't been to Dodger Stadium in like five or six years um, until I went I went three years ago uh, today, actually. No, three years ago tomorrow, I went to Dodger Stadium um, for the first time in years since I had been back to LA after moving out. And that experience, walking back into Dodger Stadium, it's like it makes you want to cry almost. Like it, it's just an emotional experience because – as soon as you get back to an arena you haven't been to in a while, especially if it's your favorite your favorite team's arena, uh, memories just overcome you. You you remember certain things. This is how you grew up. It's like I, I talk about. I think I've, I've told you Ryan a couple of times the Russell Martin walk off uh, home run against the Pirates on my birthday like fifteen years ago. It's like 
that that is that is a memory that will never fade away. You remember? Yeah, that's part of what makes sports so great. It's those individual moments that are personalized to you and, and that's your a favorite game team, in April. players. It's a game yeah. in April. Just a random, just just some some random crappy game in April, and you know, the things like that are just so, so emotional. Um, John, have you come up with an arena that uh, you know you'd like to see? Shoot, and uh, one one thing before I uh, mention it, uh, when you're in Bell Center, just take in the atmosphere and just listen. It's completely quiet. You only yeah, I bet everybody's just so locked into what's going on on the ice. Yeah. Which is good. But, uh, I'd like to see Wrigley. Oh, there you go. Shout out, yeah, I mean, Wrigley is an unbelievable park. I mean, seeing games there, it's it's such a great experience. So it's just like such an old-time baseball feel. It's in the middle of a neighborhood. So to get there to find parking, it's a struggle. But that's part of the experience of what makes Wrigley so great. So that's a great choice, John. I guess for me, I would say Lincoln Financial Field, obviously, as a big Eagles fan, that would be pretty sweet. But uh, just a sleeper, though, college football, I'll throw out Texas A&M, Kyle Field, 12th man. That would be a pretty sweet stadium to hit as well, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I could uh, a stadium I would hope to hit. I could definitely imagine that you would love to see the link. Uh, just, just you know, it, it, there's something different about seeing a home game in person. Yeah, yeah it's just, no it's, doubt. it's just the experience is so much different. Like I had said, I'd never seen a Ranger game in person at home until um two seasons ago, and it was like uh something that I, I will probably never forget. And you know, I'd obviously, like we sat, we sat in the worst seats possible, basically behind the goal. They have there's a a bridge. That, that they just added seats in a couple years ago that you, where you cannot see the entire ice without standing up and sitting down. So the entire game is consisted of me standing up and then sitting back down and bending over and standing up again. But it's like, obviously, those are the cheap seats. You know, you can't get $40 tickets at the Ranger game ever. But uh, it, it's an experience that it just it just comes with it. It feels it felt right as a first time going to the arena, just like obviously being that you have to be so invested in it that it's to the point where like it's it's something that you know normal fans would say oh this is this is an awful experience this is terrible but me in general uh, i got to watch a shootout win um jimmy vc overtime or shootout winner and it's just something that i'll never forget i can remember i i have memory of everything and it's just it's incredible obviously yeah definitely i mean going to games in person that's awesome so Really glad we could have this chat and just talk about like different experiences we had. So big thanks to John for coming on. Obviously, first guest. So uh, shout out to John. Follow John on Twitter at John BBKC. But uh, yeah, it was a good chat. Good, good, uh, good to talk about some of our experiences here on the Rody on the Horn podcast. Follow Donnie on Twitter at Donnie on the Horn. You can follow our podcast Twitter. We got a new at at Roth Podcast R O T H Podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rokilla Two Three. But thank you everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Peace.